they see the details. They see the trees in the forest, but they can't see the forest through the trees. So they don't have the big picture, but they have the details. Uh, for instance, if you tell these children a story, uh, Miss Jones walked to the store. She picked up a bunch of groceries. She was walking home with bags in hand and the bags broke. And Miss Jones was sad that the oranges, uh, that her oranges uh, broke or busted open and the eggs busted open. There's a big mess. If you ask them what happened, she'd be like, the, the kid will be like, well, Miss Jones went to the store. Um, well, yeah, but the moral of the story or the gist of the story is Miss Jones is kind of sad because she spent all this time getting the groceries, was walking home and everything uh, broke. And she spent all this money and now um, her feelings are hurt and she's upset. And that's because they don't get the big picture of the story. And then to top that off, sometimes these kids have a lack of ability to have empathy. All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Shed Light Cold Lasers. And Shed Light Cold Lasers has been a game changer for us at HML professionally and personally at home. Personally, on a, on a personal note, I had a very bad bout of vertigo. And I got probably 85% there by going to a few different functional neurologists over the years to help me out with it. Then I bought this. And this is a game changer because one, it's portable. That means I can take it to the office, use it on patients all day, make sure it stays charged, come on home, and then throw it in my pocket and use that home. And this is what cleared up my vertigo. Now, professionally, the way it's, game, it's uh, been the game changer for us in the office is that it has cut our results down by 50%. This can get used on just about anything, any disease disorder that you can think of, it can pretty much get used on. Now, as far as how it has helped us out, it's cut everything down by 50% on our times. So when we're working with our kids with special needs, uh, when we're working with our chronic neurological disorders, autoimmune diseases, to get those people into a good point that they're happy and that we're happy, times have been cut by 50%. You will definitely want to go check out shedlightcoldlasers.com or email Griswold at shedlightinformation at gmail.com, 518-338-6658. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Alex Show. And today, again, we're doing no guest. You get me. So we're going to talk about ADHD. And this one will be a little heavy hitting. But what we'll do is hopefully I will go slow enough and break it down. For as common as ADHD is, it can be a little complex because there's different types and then there's things that look like ADHD and smell like ADHD. That's not ADHD. And it is absolutely imperative to make sure that that gets correct um, in, with the diagnosis. Otherwise, treatment, um, even in our world, is, is not going to um, help these people. So first of all, when it comes to ADHD, again, with HML and most functional neurologists, what we're doing is we're looking at it from a neurological perspective. What areas of the brain are functioning? What areas are, well, I guess let me say what areas are hyperfunctioning, what areas are functioning the way they should, and then what areas are underfunctioning. Most of the time when we're working with people in office, we are working with the areas that are not functioning as well as they should. It's like an orchestra. 
maybe the violins are not playing as loud and as fast as they should. And maybe that's the area of the brain that controls your ability to harness your attention so that you're not going to quote squirrel out and you can be able to focus on the task at hand or the, the class um, or the hour long lecture that you're sitting in front of. So when it comes to ADHD, uh, most of the time at HML, we find that it is a right brain weakness, but this is where it gets a little dicey. Now with our show that we did, and I'm not gonna, I don't know what order this is gonna go into, but we did a show on dyslexia. Dyslexia is a left brain weakness. Most of the time ADHD is a right brain weakness. The literature actually shows that you will have a decrease of firing and a decrease of activity in the right prefrontal cortex amongst a couple other areas of the brain and then a couple other and then a couple areas in that right brain will actually be hyper functioning but those are what are called subcortical structures and that's because that right cortex is not firing to tell those what are called subcortical structures to just chill out a little bit so when it comes to adhd let's overall start with generally again right brain weakness that is the classic definition of adhd um, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Now, back in the day, you could have ADD or ADHD. Well, to confuse people, the powers to be decided, let's all call it ADHD, but you got types one, types two, and type three. Type one is inattentive. That in the neurology world where we live and work with people is actually a left brain weakness. We won't focus on that so much, but just know that those people are not hyperactive. They have an inability to engage their attention, actually turn their attention on. Once it is on, it's, it's good, but they have uh, quite the inability to get that attention to turn on. And that's because the left brain is the gas pedal and it turns things on physiologically, including our attention. So that's type one. Type two is the more, more common one and the more um, understood form of it in terms of people on the street because uh, mo most parents are uh, that have a child with ADHD are dealing with a child with type two, which is that right brain weakness. Then you have type three, which can be rough because that is uh, called combined, which means you can have inattentive and attentive problems. And that can get dicey to sort out and, be, and to be able to help a child. Uh, however, it, it can be done. But uh, what we'll do primarily today is focus on this type two, because that's what most people are uh, uh, most familiar with. Now, with the right brain, again, going back to the show that we did left and right brain uh, functions, these are kiddos that love routine. Uh, these are kiddos that are on the go all the time. They have no problem turning their attention on but they do not have the ability to uh, keep that attention sustained. So when they are uh, working on tasks or playing or doing something, they can be going from one activity to the next and not really have any rhyme or reason. It's just because that object, that event, or that person grabbed their attention, so they went over there. And then that lost interest or something else grabbed their attention, and then they moved on. So that is where you get that squirrel behavior and they are bouncing all over the place because the left brain is on the gas and quote, the right brain is not on the brakes, slowing that car down and allowing the person to 
do what it is that we would like our children to do uh, for the most part, especially in school, which is sit still, learn, be respectful, and not have any behavioral problems. So these kiddos are usually on the go. They have an ability to, or they have a lack of ability to control um, their negative emotions. So they are usually pessimistic uh, overall. Um, they usually will avoid things that are new because it's new. They don't like um, they don't like novelty. Um, they usually have poor gross motor skills, and they might have some sensory processing issues. Uh, because the right brain houses our ability to work uh, to process uh, most sensation. Um, they are good at math, math calculations, for instance, but math reasoning might be a little rough. But once they get through the calculation, um, the ability to reason through the steps of math reasoning is pretty solid. They see the details. They see the trees in the forest, but they can't see the forest through the trees. So they don't have the big picture, but they have the details. Uh, for instance, if you tell these children a story, uh, Miss Jones walked to the store. She picked up a bunch of groceries. She was walking home with bags in hand, and the bags broke. And Miss Jones was sad that the oranges, uh, that her oranges uh, broke or busted open, and the eggs busted open, and there's a big mess. If you ask them what happened, she'd be like, the the kid will be like, well, Miss Jones went to the store. Um, well, yeah, but the moral of the story or the gist of the story is Miss Jones is kind of sad because she spent all this time getting the groceries, was walking home, and everything uh, broke. And she spent all this money, and now um, her feelings are hurt, and she's upset. And that's because they don't get the big picture of the story. And then to top that off, sometimes these kids have a lack of ability to have empathy. So when they are uh, learning those stories, they're not going to focus on the fact that Ms. Jones is sad. They're just focused on maybe it was eight oranges were in the bag. And they're probably going to be like, maybe she shouldn't have put eight oranges in her bag to, to walk home with. That's probably what they're going to say. <laughs> so um, that's that's probably how that's going to go. I got to pause here real quick. Sorry, Nick. Okay, now to run that off, as stated in the dyslexia uh, podcast, the left side of the brain is all about IQ. The right side of the brain is about EQ. And I believe the author was Daniel Goldman is the one who wrote the book um, about EQ or emotional quotient. And when there is a right brain weakness, these people and kiddos will have a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding of others. And this includes children on the spectrum, uh, ADHD, and even sensory processing. And it's not that they don't want to, it's just that they have a hard time and, and they can't uh, get there. Um, they cannot understand themselves. And if they can't understand themselves, if someone cannot feel how they feel and understand what it is that they're feeling and experiencing with their emotions, how are they going to understand how others feel? So that's the start or the foundation of empathy is first understanding yourself. And these people can have an issue where they are not as self-aware. It is especially prevalent in autism. That is the definition of autism. Um, they are not aware um, when it comes to them. 
Then the other thing that uh, these kiddos are uh, alongside with that are going to be not the best at is nonverbal communication, body language, facial expressions. uh, That may not be the best. And that is, again, because they they do not have um, very good embodiment or they do not have very good interoception where they are um, having the understanding of feeling themselves. And you have to have that to be able to have good nonverbal communication and understand how you feel, therefore understanding how other people feel. So when it comes to the attention piece of this, the reason that kiddos with ADHD, particularly type two, um, have issues is because the right brain is what houses our ability to put the breaking mechanisms on our ability to sustain attention. So your ability to sit here and either watch and or listen to me yak on about ADHD first starts with your ability to get your attention engaged. That's generally speaking, your left brain. Then that, that task is call it handed off to your right brain to sustain it. Now it doesn't mean that there is an activity going on in both sides of your brain. It's that your ability to sustain this attention for longer than a few minutes is a primary task of your right brain. And when we are working uh, with these kiddos with the right brain in office it and amongst other functional neurologists, sorry, it comes down to running the exam, seeing what is hyper-functioning, what is functioning how it should, and what is under-functioning. And then generally, generally, we again focus on what is not functioning. Then we run our therapeutic trial to see what it is that we can do to get that function to come up. And if that function is a right brain task and we find that, for instance, let's say the child has a poor ability to stand on their left leg, which is a left cerebellar right brain task. If they can't do that as well as their right leg, then that's a sign that there is somewhat of a right brain weakness. And is it a matter of just making them stand on their left leg? I don't know. Uh, In my experience, it's 50% of the time, yes and no. Yeah, you can just make a child do just about anything, but if the networks aren't online or if there's not a lot of uh, neuronal activity going on in the area, or if there is not adequate blood flow uh, compared to other areas, then we might use those areas of the brain, the left cerebellum and the right brain, and use other tasks to light those areas up like a Christmas tree, and that will create neuronal activity and pull blood to the area and then retest and they'll stand on their left leg. And that with that, that means that that stimulus or that exercise is something that we can use in office to activate their right brain further and then not only activate the right brain, but get them to be able to stand on that left leg uh, to improve functionality. And all of this might sound a little odd because we're talking about attention and then I brought attention all the way back to standing on the left leg. Well, in neurology, we're all about at functional neurology, sorry, we're all about in- increasing the function of the area involved. And if you know what areas talk to that right brain and you know how to tap into that right brain, then it could be standing on your left leg. It could be an eye exercise. It could be core work. It could be gross motor skills, coordination drills. It could be uh, just about anything. 
It could be a auditory stimulus, a light stimulus. As long as you know how to tap into that, then it could be that that affects it and changes it for the better. And then that area of the brain starts firing better. And you put that individual back out in their environment, allow them to live their life, go to school, recreational activities, enjoy family time, all that good stuff. And then the environment is what will start to solidify in the work that is performed. And that is how we get uh, results out of these individuals. Now, what can be tricky about kiddos with ADHD is there is some decent imbalances like other issues with neurotransmitters. And sometimes we have to um, call in some functional medicine tests to look at, uh, for instance, urine metabolites of neurotransmitters or neurotransmitter levels even. Um, some of that stuff can be controversial in the world of functional medicine. That's another topic. We can look at antioxidative or antioxidant markers. We can look at levels of fatty acids in their blood. And we can look at all of these things within a functional medicine realm to even out their system, their gut, their brain, whatever we find to help complement um, what it is that we're trying to do in office. And that's something I haven't talked about too much, um, uh, bringing in the functional medicine piece. Uh, but it is something that we do a lot at HML. Now, the last thing I wanted to bring up about uh, ADHD is when it comes to ADHD, it, it just happened just this week in office, is ADHD can be misdiagnosed as, now don't freak out, and do not run to your neurologist, but ADHD can be misdiagnosed as a form of seizures called absence seizures. Absence seizures are not like your tonic-clonic or what used to be called grand mal, where the individual unfortunately drops on the ground and they're seizing and they might be urinating all over themselves and foaming at the mouth and um, having that uh, textbook example of what a grand mal or what used to be called a grand mal seizure is. Uh, what happens with absent seizures is these kiddos uh, will space out. They look like they're spacing out. Their attention will go from one thing to the next because if they space out, their brain is seizing. So they, it looks like, unfortunately, there's no one home. Then they come out of it. They'll move on to their next thing that they want to do or that they're supposed to do. They'll seize up. Wash, rinse, repeat happens all day long. And every absent seizure case is drastically different. It's like concussions. It's a whole nother topic, and that would be a great show to do. However, if you have a child that has an ADHD and even um, it can even be type one, um, let's just say they have an ADHD diagnosis. And let's say medications are not getting them where you would like them to be. Let's say going to your functional neurologist is not getting them where they should be. Let's say that that person is coming in our office, HML, and they're not getting where you think they should be. Uh, let's say they're going to a behavioral therapist, occupational therapist, physical therapist. They're going to the IST and they are not getting results. Then it should be brought up uh, or what should be brought up is uh, a workup to get to see if absent seizures or focal seizures is a uh, situation that's occurring. And again, this is not anything to be very alarmed about and be losing sleep about. Um, 
because they are not a scary situation. It's just, if you have it figured out, then the correct treatment, both in the functional neurology world and outside of other therapists or ists <laughs> um, or medication uh, can be provided. And then you can start to get some results. And it's not that we ever just want to result to medication all the time either, but it is something that uh, could be done to help the child uh, get through that situation. Cause these are things that quote are not necessarily going to be sticking around the rest of their life. Um, but uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But with that, it is something to throw in the back of your head. Um, if you're, if you have a child or if you are suffering from uh, ADHD, uh, because these people will seize, they'll space out. They might be just sitting there staring off into space. Um, and it's very hard to get their attention back. Um, or they might be doing a task, maybe even just walking or walking in a circle. And then it's hard to get their attention and then they come back. And then they will have anxiety because they don't really realize what happened. They might have been out for 30 seconds or a couple minutes. And then their attention goes elsewhere because they end up um, not remembering what it, does, what it is they were doing. They could be having very important conversations with you and uh, not remember. And the lesson learned uh, this week was something we had pop up with a with a young female uh, patient, a teenager, we weren't getting the results that we wanted. And she said to her mom, Hey, I want to go in and I want to talk to Dr. Alex about what's going on in my brain. Mom's like, great. Let's schedule an appointment and sit down and see what's going on. So we sat down and the thing that brought uh, alarm bells going off was I said, Hey, I'm really proud of the fact that you told your mom that you want to come in and talk about what's going on in your brain, because anything you tell me here might help me figure, figure out more so we can get this figured out for you. So you can feel better because she's like every other girl. She just wants to make friends and float around with boys and have fun and go to school and do her thing, play tennis, all that good stuff. Well, she goes, I don't remember that. I'm like, what? She's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, my, my mom said that she mentioned that to me and I, I have no idea. I, I have no idea what, I, I don't even remember that afternoon. And I was like, Oh, okay. So do you remember the afternoon before that? Yeah. I did this, that, and the other, how about the afternoon after that? Yeah. Yeah. How about the afternoon seven days ago? Yeah. Yeah. I did this, this, and this, how about the afternoon five days ago? Oh no, I don't remember that. I'm like, hmm. Got it. So needless to say, I was pretty upset at myself uh, because we've been working with this girl for a little bit now. And thank goodness we uh, got that figured out. So she's getting referred to a, a pediatric neurologist for a workup to confirm that or if, see if it's uh, something else along those lines. But uh, this is ADHD in a nutshell. To understand more of that neurology underlying uh, ADHD, check out the website, hmofunctionalcare.com. Uh, more podcasts about hemisphericity and what's going on in the brain with ADHD. We're starting to crank out more blog posts about situations like this and YouTube as well. Uh, however, when it comes to this, um, it can get a little complex uh, because there are different types and understanding the, the, what is going on in the different types does help dictate treatment, uh, both from a medical realm all the way over to us. It can be drastically different. Uh, you can make things worse real quick um, if you do not uh, know exactly what's going on.
So when it comes to ADHD, that's what we got. Hope you guys enjoy. We'll see you guys next time. All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Apex Energetics, apexenergetics.com. First of all, to learn more about Apex Energetics, head on over to that website. If you want to get Apex Energetics directly, uh, please call them 1-800-736-4381, or you can shop our online store. You can get to our online store at myhcpstore.com. Username is Dr. Alex. Otherwise, if you'd like to find a doctor that uses Apex Energetics, you can give them a call or go to the website and they'll direct you to a doc in your area that should be doing very good work with Apex Energetics. Apex has just been instrumental in our lives professionally and personally. About six years ago, we went through one of the most hellacious traumas that you can think of. And if it weren't for Apex with their stress support line of products, I probably would not be here. Point blank, period. And in the office, you, making the switch from other lines to Apex Energetics has sped up our results with our patients, supporting them through their healthcare needs, um, probably by 25%, um, if not if not more. And when it comes to Apex Energetics, we just want to remind everyone that we are here to not cure diseases, making claims. We're here supporting people, increasing their healthcare needs, and helping them achieve their goals. ApexEnergetics.com. The Dr. Alex Show is hosted by myself, a nerd, Dr. Alex Nelson. I'm a chiropractor, board certified in functional neurology and childhood neurodevelopmental disorders. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or most any of your other favorite podcast apps. The Dr. Alex Show is a production of Fredcasts. Think, speak, act.